Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. We've all been deceived before. It's not a good feeling, especially when something big is on the line. Today, Pastor J.D. reminds us of the importance of not being deceived in these, the end days. When the stakes are at their highest, you want to be astute. You don't want to be fooled by the devil, even though he won't give up on you. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on November 27th, 2022. Now, verse 2 that ye be not suddenly moved from your mind, nor troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as it were from us, as though the day of Christ were at hand. In other words, boy, nothing new under the sun. Apparently, there was a forged letter bearing the Apostle Paul's name that was circulating around Thessalonica that was basically saying, we're in the tribulation. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's happening now. It's like the Thessalonians then watched YouTube videos with guys telling them that you're in the tribulation. You either missed the rapture, or it's been delayed, or now the rapture isn't going to happen before the seven-year tribulation. No wonder they're moved, shaken. No wonder they're troubled, disturbed, discouraged, and that discouragement giving way to despair. Because isn't it true that if this were true, and it's not, thank God, and we were actually in the tribulation right now, um, how do I say this? Well, I probably wouldn't be standing here right now. Uh, I'd be stockpiling, prepping. Um, I'd be hunkering down, not looking up. I'd be hunkering down, getting ready for, and instead of looking up because my redemption draws near. Because now th- this changes everything. This is a game changer. No wonder they're discouraged. And isn't it interesting in his first letter, chapter 4, verse 17, key rapture verse, by the way. I don't know how, I don't have time to go there, nor does my blood pressure allow it. So let me just say it. You know First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. I love this verse. I love this verse. My favorite verse in all the Bible, along with all the other verses in all the Bible. The trumpet's going to sound. And it's the trumpet call of God, not the angels. There's two trumpets in Scripture, 
two purposes. The trumpet call of God is for the church. The trumpet call of angels is for Israel. Please make that distinction. That's going to come into play here in a moment. Very important. It's the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ rise first. Those are all those loved ones that have gone to be with the Lord in spirit, absent from the body, they get their new glorified bodies first. Real quick explanation, best I ever heard. It's likened unto a light bulb. So we're created in God's image, triune in nature. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Well, we're triune in nature, body, soul, and spirit. So what happens when you die? Well, your body goes into the ground from where it was created, dust to dust. Your spirit goes back to the source. The Holy Spirit seals us for redemption. The Apostle Paul said it this way, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So those loved ones of ours, my daughter, my mom, I hope my dad, I believe by faith my dad, and all the other loved ones, many of which over the years from this church that I've done the memorial services for. They're already present with the Lord in spirit. When that trumpet sounds, their bodies, their glorified bodies are going to resurrect, and they're going to get their bodies first. And that's okay. We'll let them, I guess, you know, right? But then we who are alive and remain, that's us, And isn't it interesting that the Apostle Paul would include himself in the we? No, think about that. In other words, he thought it could happen in his lifetime by God's design. We're always watching, always waiting, every generation for the rapture of the church. So we who are alive and remain, we will be caught up. Two English words. In the Greek, it's harpazo. I actually don't like that word. I like the Latin Vulgate, rapturous, rapture, transliterated in English. Doesn't rapture sound faster than harpazo? I mean, it's just kind of slow, harpazo. But rapture, yes! First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52, the Apostle Paul kind of fills in some blanks. It's a mystery, and it's going to happen so fast in the twinkling, not a blink, in the twinkling of an eye. We're going to put off, I can't wait for this. These bodies, corruptible, I mean, that alone, right? I mean, this thing has a lot of miles on it. I'm getting a new one. In the twinkling of an eye, we put off corruptible, and we put on incorruptible. We get our glorified bodies, and we are going to meet them in the air and be with Jesus forever. And then Paul, at the end of that passage, says these words, therefore, encourage one another with these words. How are you going to encourage somebody if you tell them, okay, we're going to go through the tribulation, at least the part of it. I don't know if you're mid, pre-wrath, post-toasty, whatever you are. 
I mean, people are going to die. You're going to be forced to take this mark. If you don't, you're beheaded. And I mean, it's going to be horrific, unspeakable, horrendous. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You can't say that. That's cruel. You can't say, encourage one another with these words. What words? You're going to go through hell on earth. That doesn't encourage me. That depresses me. And it scares me too. If that were the case, Paul would have said something to the effect of, be scared and prepared. Is that too much? Okay. Now, we haven't even got to the best part yet. Verse 3. This is key. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, the tribulation, the day of the Lord, shall not come except there come a departing first. He doesn't say a departing from the faith. In fact, the the Greek word apostasia, which has led many to believe this is an apostasy, a spiritual departure. First, uh, it's a physical departure. Paul is not talking about that. He'll talk about that at the end of his life when he writes to Timothy. This is the first epistle that he ever wrote to the Thessalonians. And both letters are about the rapture. I should qualify it, the pre-tribulation rapture. So notice the words, the departing, the rapture comes first, and that that man of sin be disclosed, even the son of perdition, that's the Antichrist. Which, verse 4, is an adversary, and exalteth himself against all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he doth sit as God in the temple of God. Oh, we're in the tribulation. Where's the temple? Where's the Antichrist? Because he's late, according to your interpretation. You'll forgive me for being snarky. It's a sanctified snarky, in Jesus' name. No, this is the temple. Uh, that's not there yet, nor is the Antichrist revealed yet. Verse 5, remember ye not that when I was yet with you, he was only with the Thessalonians for like maybe three months at the most. I told you these things. He taught these young believers when he started this church in Thessalonica, Bible prophecy. (gasps) No, yeah, no way, way. He taught them the rapture. Oh, would to God that pastors would teach the sound doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture. Oh man, these are new believers. You better start off, you know, just, they're still on milk. Hey, I got the best milk in the world, the pre-tribulation rapture milk. (laughs) It says it right there on the carton. Now, verse 6, it gets better. Now ye know what withholdeth, this is the restrainer, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. It's already at work. Only he which now withholdeth the restrainer that restrains 
shall let till he be taken out of the way. He's not been taken out of the way yet. And then, verse 8, and then shall that wicked man be revealed, ah, whom the Lord shall consume, can't wait for this, the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall abolish with the brightness of his coming. That's the second coming. So did you get this? The raptures first, then the Antichrist is revealed. The raptures first, then the Antichrist is revealed, and the restrainer is taken out of the way first, and then the Antichrist is revealed. I don't know how you can get any clearer than that. Well, wait a minute, Pastor, with all due respect, Second Thessalonians 2, 3, you really believe that's the rapture? Yeah. If you're interested, we did a deep dive into Second Thessalonians 2, 3. It was back on June 14th of 2020. Again, we have the links. This was in our verse-by-verse study through Second Thessalonians, and the teaching was titled, The Rapture Comes First. Why? Because the rapture comes first. I know that's deeply profound. In this particular teaching, we were able to rightly divide the word of truth and as such discern and understand that the church must be removed prior to the Antichrist being revealed. Also, back on August 9th, 2020, in the prophecy update titled, Pre-Tribulation Rapture Proof, Proof, we were able to, with sound doctrine, biblical evidence, prove that the rapture of the church must happen before the seven-year tribulation, period, period. And this for several reasons, chief of which is the seven-year tribulation is for the salvation of the Jewish nation. That's the purpose of it. Which brings us to the second reason we absolutely cannot be in the seven-year tribulation yet, and it's because the covenant has not been enforced yet. If you were to ask me why it is that many a well-intentioned Christian gets into what I'll call tribulation trouble, (laughs) this would have to be it. Let me explain. If we're already in the seven-year tribulation and the church is still here in the world, then we've got serious problems because we either have to replace the Jews or join the Jews. Let's talk about replacement theology, which is a doctrine of demons, Paul writing to Timothy, a doctrine of demons. So let's talk about that first. Actually, let's not talk about that first. Let's talk about what if the church doesn't replace Israel. You don't have to get to replacement theology if the church is still here in the seven-year tribulation during the time of what's known as Jacob's trouble. What if the church is still here along with Israel instead of replacing Israel? Well then, God forbid, you have to make some very profound adjustments to God's Word, God forbid, 
to accommodate the church with Israel, not replacing Israel, we'll talk about that in a second, with Israel in the time of Jacob's trouble. Who's Jacob? Israel. Remember when God changed Jacob's name, Yahob, heel snatcher, to Israel, governed by God. And Yahob, Israel, would have 12 sons who would become the 12 tribes of Israel. This is the time of Jacob's trouble, not the church's trouble. This is why Christians get in tribulation trouble, <laughs> because they, they blur the lines between the church and Israel. Here's an illustration. I just thought of this. I, I hope it's the Holy Spirit. Uh, <laughs> please. <laughs> um, you're driving down a road, two-lane highway, right? you got the dividing line in the middle, okay? That keeps everybody in their lane, as it were. What would happen if you remove that line? Oh, you're going to have some problems. Because that's, that's the line that divides this traffic coming and this traffic going. Now, if you remove that line, you're going all over the place. And there's a potential, certainly, for an accident to happen. And it could be a fatal one. And I think this is a fatal mistake when you remove that line between the church and Israel. God is not through with the Jew. God has a plan for the Jew. He has a covenant with the Jew. And he has a covenant with me and you too. And if God is through with the Jew, then can I ask you, how secure are you? If God's through with the Jew, maybe he's through with me and you too. No. It's an everlasting covenant. You know what an everlasting covenant is? It's a covenant that lasts forever. He has a covenant. And he's going to keep that covenant. And the whole house of Israel, it's not a literal, but it's a Middle Eastern expression. Uh, even in the Arab culture growing up, they would call my dad's house the house of Abu Wahid, the father of Wahid. That's the house of, house of. So they're going to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ when they realize they've been deceived by the Antichrist. That's again Daniel 9.27, which we'll get to here in a moment. Okay, let me take it one step further and suggest that if the church is still here during the 70th week of Daniel, you by default replace the Jews and dismantle Bible prophecy and remove that center line on that road. And here's what I mean by that. The eschatological timeline is built on the specificity of the 70th week coming subsequent to the church age. In other words, the church has to be taken out prior to the seven-year tribulation, which fulfills the final seven years of Daniel's 70th week. And this is Daniel 9.27. He, speaking of the Antichrist, will confirm. Now in the Hebrew it's the same word 
as in my native tongue of Arabic. It's the word ikbir, ikbir. It carries with it the idea of enforcing stronger, greater, superior. So it, uh, easy for me to say, it assumes, for lack of a better word, that there's already a covenant in place. Hang on to that. Because when the Antichrist comes along, he's going to confirm a covenant that's already in place. It just hasn't been enforced yet. So he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. That's a seven year tribulation. In the middle of the seven, three and a half year mark, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, oh, there's the temple. I knew it. Where's the temple? Oh, it's there in Jerusalem, exactly as Bible prophecy says, right on time. And at the three and a half year mark, the Antichrist has already been on the scene. And by the way, 2 Thessalonians 2, how is the Antichrist going to get the worship of all of the people on earth? Signs and lying wonders. In other words, he's going to already, for the first three and a half years, already have a track record of sorts. Look at what this guy's done. Who's able to war against the beast? Look at these signs and wonders and miracles, and surely this is the Christ. And he finally enforced this peace agreement. There's never been peace. And he did it. And it's, it's a peace agreement now. And he's enforced it. Ikbir confirmed it. And at the temple he will set up an abomination that causes desolation. That's 2 Thessalonians 2. He will declare himself to be God in the temple of God. And then that's when the Jews will realize, wait a minute, um, some believe he'll sacrifice an unclean animal as in Israel's history, but it will be an abomination. He will commit an abomination in the rebuilt temple, which I believe comes packaged with this peace covenant once they have peace, the Jews are going to be allowed to rebuild their third temple. And then the Antichrist, in the middle of the tribulation, will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Okay. Are you okay so far? All right. I had someone tell me uh, that sitting under your teeth is like drinking water out of a fire hose. Well, at least you're getting your thirst quenched. <laughs> okay, pastor, why is this prophecy in this one verse so important? Because it provides us with a specific timeline within the seven-year period. See, the church has to be out of the way, the restrainer taken out of the way, and now God is going to focus all of His attention on Israel. The church age is complete. You can't have the, the church there with Israel, and certainly you cannot have the church replacing Israel. And by the way, this is why a lot of guys put the church in the tribulation. We're so glad you joined us for this prophecy update on In Spirit and Truth. Do the things you hear about on this program cause you to feel unsettled? 
Perhaps there are too many things coming into play that make you stop and wonder if you're truly living in the end times. If that's the case, we hope that through these updates, you are reminded of God's faithfulness through His Word and that His promises will be fulfilled. This can be a benefit to you. Being around other believers can give you support regarding these things that are happening around you. If you're in the area and haven't found a church home yet, we invite you to come visit us and get to know the heart behind this ministry. You can join us for a time of worship at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. If you'd like more information on joining us or for additional resources, go to jdfarag.org and scroll to the bottom of the page. That's J-D-F-A-R-A-G dot O-R-G. There, you'll find a Calvary link that will take you to the church's website. While you're at our website, be sure to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. Another interesting point of reference is a tab that says ABCs. This is useful for anyone seeking and wanting to find out more about Jesus and His love for you as an individual. That's all available at our website. Again, that's jdfarag.org. Our time with you is up for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. Join Pastor JD for another edition of In Spirit and Truth.